0: Amen. Well, you can be seated. Welcome online. So glad you have uh, joined us today. And uh, beautiful uh, singing really uh, lifted my heart up to the Lord. So uh, so glad you have uh, joined us, whether you are uh, virtual or live. Uh, thanks for being here and uh, pray that God will speak to you. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 3 this morning. And we're going to talk about uh, the Great Commission, the next step, what we call the first step of uh, obedience. And so go ahead and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 3. And let me tell you a a story and then we'll kind of review and and get into Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at John the Baptist this morning and and, uh, how he baptized our Savior. So uh, I hope it will inform you and inspire you to continue following after Jesus. In 1991, August 3rd, Paul and I stood at the altar of the church I grew up in, and we shared vows before God, before our family and friends, to each other. And we shared those vows till death do us part. After we shared those vows, those decisions we made in our heart, we had an outward symbolism, a profession as well, and we shared rings. And that uh, ring that I wear on my hand reminds me of the vows that I made 29 years ago. It's more than just beautiful metal and a precious stone. There is the emotional significance of uh, the love and commitment that Paul and I shared to each other. There's the symbolic significance showing commitment by wearing this ring I said, I accept you as my wife, and I make those vows, uh, you know, till death do us part. There's also the public significance. I wear this ring as an outward demonstration that I am a married man, and other people can see that uh, as well. Now, some people work jobs and certain uh, reasons why they can't uh, uh, wear rings, but uh, hopefully we're able to wear that ring as an outward demonstration. It is the symbol of uh, what we did Uh, those years ago in our marriage. Well that's what baptism is. Baptism is a symbol, a public profession, an outward demonstration of the decision we made in our heart when we accepted Jesus as Savior. Now just to review for a second, in uh, Matthew 28 uh, at the end of Jesus's ministry, Jesus comes to his disciples that had gathered together. It's this uh, uh, first local church gathering. And he says something very important in in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. He's saying, I have complete authority. Because of my death, burial, and resurrection, I took the uh, the keys uh, of death and hell, and I have restored what Adam has lost. And now I have those keys, and I have authority. And so here's what I want you to do to this church. In verse 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples. That's our calling, that's our mission. We said the mission of our church is missions and that's our plan, that's our true north. God wants us to make disciples. Now, how do we do that? Well, by sharing the gospel with people. And then this passage goes on and it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, so the church not only is to go, we're to go, then we're to baptize people uh, in the name of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things Whatever Jesus has commanded to the early disciples, that's what he wants us to take. And so today we have the scriptures, the truths that the apostles have passed down uh, to us. And we're to take those truths into the world. And he made the promise that I am with you until the end of the age. We said missions is our mission, so God wants us to support missionaries. He wants us to take of our finances, not just to support our local church, but to give over and above to see missionaries go so they can see churches started. And then secondly, we're to share our testimony. We're to invite people to church. Hopefully, you can uh, subscribe to the YouTube uh, Choice Baptist Church page, or you can uh, check in on Facebook, or you can uh, uh, start a watch party and invite some people if you're online. You can invite people to church, or you can take one of the yard signs and put them out in our community and let people know uh, that Jesus is the only way to heaven by the way we live and by inviting people to church and by sharing our testimony of what Jesus did in our life. We said the Christian life is like running a race, and you start by on your mark, get set, go. On your mark, that first uh, decision we make for all eternity to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Get set, we follow in baptism, and then go, we get connected to a church. Those three steps are important in the Christian uh, life if we are going to make disciples or to become disciples a disciple of Jesus. So Matthew 28 is at the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he leaves. Today we're going to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and we're going to look in Matthew chapter 3 at uh, this guy named John the Baptist. Look at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. John plays a very important role here. John comes on the scene from the deserts. He would have uh, probably spent a lot of time out there. He's dressed in in very Old Testament prophetic garb. And uh, uh, verse 2 says this, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John comes on the scene, and the first thing he says, I want you to do, is to repent. To repent means to change your mind. But it includes a change of heart, having sorrow for the way that we lived and decisions that we've made that leads to a change of life, that we are to be a different person. So John comes on the scene and he says, I want you to repent. And then in verse three he says, for this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Not only did he tell uh, the Israelites as they uh, came out to hear him preach, you need to repent. The second thing he says, there's one that's coming after me. Prepare the way of the Lord. The Messiah is going to come. There had been 400 years of silence since the end of the Old Testament. There were no new books of the Bible written. There was no new revelation until we get to the beginning of Matthew where we hear a baby crying and we hear the voice of the Son of God come forth. And then it goes silent again until Jesus is 30 and he comes comes on the scene and right before that we see John the Baptist and John says the Messiah is coming and you need to get baptized but before you get baptized I want you to repent look at uh, verse 6 here then Jerusalem all Judea and the regions around went out to him so all of the these Jewish people the, the average the uh just the casual person came out And they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. You see, before they got baptized, they repented. Before they got baptized, they confessed. Look at uh, the following verse. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said, brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Let me say he was not a positive preacher. Okay, do you kind of sense that? Uh, he he comes on the scene and he's telling the people you need to repent. The Messiah is going to come, and and then you get baptized as an outward demonstration of that. The religious people gather around. Now these were the Jewish leaders. These were the religious leaders of the day. The people that were respected. The people that that the Jews looked up to. And they said, if I could just be like him one day, they had the heritage. Their families and their parents, they had been godly individuals. These are people that are upholding the rules and the rituals and the ceremonies. And everybody looked up to them in great respect. And they came out to see what was going on because like, hey, there's this uh, new guy coming on the scene baptizing people. We might lose some power. So they come on the scene. And John the Baptist says, hey, guys, you need to repent as well. You need to have a change of heart. Could you imagine? uh, This was a pretty rough message he's giving uh, to them. You brood of vipers. You're snakes. You are poisonous. Poisonous snakes, And he said, wrath is going to come unless you do this. Look at verse 8. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. They were religious. I mean, their parents had, had uh, uh, brought them up as serious Jewish individuals. And he said, but I want you to change your life. You need to be a different person. You need to have fruit worthy of repentance. Repentance. You need to live a life that's demonstrating it. He's talking about repenting, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Keith and Marla Herndon, uh, missionaries to Romania for many years, when they would preach the message of Jesus Christ and tell people, you need to confess, you need to repent, in Romania, uh, the, the religious people would say, oh, you're a repenter. That's what they were called. They weren't called Baptists. They weren't called, Baptist, they weren't called uh, you know, by certain denominations. They just said, you're a repenter. If you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven and, and uh, there's nothing else you have to do, they're called repenters. That's what John's doing here. He's saying, you have to repent, even the religious leaders. Now, notice what he says about their family in verse 9. And do not think to yourselves, saying, we have Abraham as our father. He's saying, it doesn't matter what your parents have done for you, whether your parents have baptized you, whether your parents have have brought you up right, maybe they're pastors and leaders in the church, maybe you have a grandfather that was a a godly individual, grandma, uh, you know, read her Bible every day. It doesn't matter what your family, this is a personal decision that you have to make. I want you to bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't say we have Abraham as our father. He said, judgment is about to come. In verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. See, he's saying there's one that's going to come. I want you to repent, but there's one that's going to come, and he's the Messiah. He's the one that the Old Testament prophesied. He's the one that's going to forgive our sins. So when it comes to this second step, uh, uh, on on your mark, get set, go, or what we call the first step of obedience in the Christian life baptism, there's two things you need to do. First of all, you need to repent. God wants us to get baptized, but before you do that, you repent. And the second, you have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there is one difference in John's baptism and the way we baptize today. You see, when we baptize today, we look back to the cross and we repent of our sins, realizing we can't get to heaven on our own, that we've got to trust Jesus Christ. And the only thing that can do it is the death, burial, and resurrection. So when we're baptized, we have repented and placed our faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross. But Jesus hadn't died yet when John was on the scene. So the difference is they had to repent just like we have to, but they looked ahead. They looked forward to the cross. They didn't understand every detail, they just knew that the Messiah was going to come and that he was going to forgive their sins and they repented and had faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith always come before a biblical baptism. And notice what happens after John preached that message, verse 13, Jesus comes on the scene, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now, I'm not a real fan of geography. I've never liked U.S. geography or world uh, uh, geography or even uh, Bible geography. I got by in the classes I took and have a general idea, but I generally have to pull out a map for me to look at these things. And so I I looked at how far is Galilee from Jordan, and it was around 60 miles. Jesus walked 60 miles to get baptized by John. Yet he, he saw it wasn't just a casual thing. This was important to him. He followed in baptism, and so Jesus came from Galilee to John to the Jordan to be baptized by him. And notice verse 14, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. You can understand that, right? The son of God saying, I want you to baptize me. No, God, you ought to baptize me. But Jesus answered and said, permit it to be so now, immediately, I don't want to wait. I wanna get baptized right now, why? Because it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He's saying it's going to demonstrate this idea of righteousness. I am beginning my ministry and so the first thing I wanna do is I demonstrate what it means to be a disciple, I want to get baptized. And so we call this idea of baptism the first step of obedience. What are a couple lessons that we can learn when we consider this idea of baptism. I have four questions for you. The first one is simply this, where do I get baptized? When we look at the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus' baptism, where do I get baptized? Who should do the baptizing? Let me tell you a story about my friend Byron. Byron was out fishing one day. He attended our church many years ago before he uh, moved south. And uh, Byron was fishing with his son. And they were talking about spiritual things. And uh, his son said, Dad, I know Jesus as my Savior. I've trusted him. I want to get baptized. Can you baptize me? Now, they're out fishing in the, uh, the river and uh, on a canoe. And he says, can I get baptized? And he said, I don't know if I can do this baptism or not. But they jumped out of the canoe. And the dad took his son and immersed him under the water. And he said, son, I don't know if that counts or not. Uh, So later, this guy Byron came up to me and he said, hey, pastor, uh, this is what happened. Is that baptism or, you know, should we do it different? And And this is what I shared with him. When we look at the Great Commission, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, the early apostles, meeting with them as a local church, it was the authority that I understand that he gave to the church to do the baptism. I believe there's two church ordinances that the Bible teaches. It's communion and the Lord's Supper. We did that online with our audience a month or two ago, and so we did that as an assembly, or as a group, as a church. I believe that's an ordinance for the church. I personally don't observe Lord's Supper uh, as a family ordinance, just with my family. It's not what I understand biblically. And the second is baptism. I believe that's something that the church should do as well, that the church has been given that authority. There's a story in Matthew 21, and I don't want you to turn there, but Jesus is teaching and healing people. And in Matthew 21, the religious leaders come up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, who gave you authority To teach, He didn't go to the schools that uh, the religious leaders went to. He wasn't considered uh, educated the way these people were. And he said, who gave you the authority to do the teaching? And Jesus said, I'm going to answer that question, who gave me the authority. But before I do, I have a question for you. Here's my question. John the Baptist, who was out baptizing, who gave John the authority to baptize? Who gave John authority to do that baptizing? They went back together, and they were like, we got to think about this. Because if we say God gave authority, if it came from heaven, then Jesus is going to say, why didn't you get baptized? If, if he was a man of God, and he was doing what God wanted, why didn't you follow in baptism? And then we would look like idiots. So, but if we say that it was just his own idea that men gave him authority, it was just something that people did, then the people around us are going to get mad at us. So they gathered back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, they had a great answer. We don't know. They weren't going to answer that question. And so Jesus, you know, the question was, who gave you authority, Jesus? He said, well, I'm not going to answer you then. Now the main point of that story is that Jesus had authority to be our teacher. He's God, right? The Word became flesh. But he's telling a story about John. John had the authority to do the baptism. Who is it that should baptize? Not a pastor, not an individual, not a, a, an individual, but a church. It's a church that has that authority to follow in baptism. So I personally believe that uh, you know, if you get baptized, uh, you know, some people have gotten baptized at Mormons or other groups of, of cults and churches that, uh, you know, so-called churches that really don't teach the Bible, I, I don't think they have the authority to baptize. It's only the local church, those that have been given the Great Commission. Not any of us as individuals, not families, but the church. Who gave you that authority? Where do I get baptized? The church. Secondly, when do I get baptized? Well, remember Matthew 3, 8 again. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. John said, I'm going to baptize you when you demonstrate that you've truly repented. When we get baptized, we're demonstrating that we want to walk in a new life. And so, we only get baptized after we've trusted Jesus as Savior. Now, some kids can get saved at a pretty young age. I know I grew up with a girl that was four years old when she trusted Jesus as her savior. And she's never doubted her salvation. I was six years old when I trusted Jesus. I did doubt my salvation some. And uh, some of my kids got saved at a uh, younger age, some up to uh, eight or nine. But I did not want them to be baptized until they first had repented, until they first had become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So when a child wants to be baptized, I ask the family to talk with them. Do they understand the gospel? Do they have that understanding there? And then secondly, if they understand the gospel, why do they want to get baptized? You see, I'll baptize you, John said, when you've demonstrated that you have repented. There's a story in Acts 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch and a guy named Philip. Philip was out preaching to people and he uh, came upon this guy in a chariot and the guy's reading the bible he's reading the book of isaiah and he's reading a prophecy about jesus but he doesn't understand it and so philip says hey what are you doing he said i'm reading the bible Well, what are you reading about and he tells him what he's reading about he said but i don't understand it and in acts eight thirty five, notice what philip did philip opened his mouth and began at the scriptures preached jesus to him That's the message, Jesus. See, baptism doesn't wash sins away. It's when we repent and trust in Jesus. He preached to him, Jesus, verse 36. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, he understood that baptism was something that was going on uh, in Israel. He also understood that something was necessary before baptism, but he didn't quite understand. He says, Hey, there's water over there. What hinders me from being baptized? Do I have to do anything before I get baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. What hinders me from being baptized? Did I believe? Have I repented? Have I asked Jesus Christ into my life? And the Ethiopian said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe it. As a church, we don't baptize infants. Some have taught that baptism washes sins away. And and if that's necessary, if you have a baby that doesn't get baptized and they die, that they would go into limbo, which is sort of a compartment in hell. But we don't believe that uh, baptism has any significance on your salvation And we don't believe you should get baptized until after you have repented, until after you believe Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And notice verse uh, 38 here. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. I believe And then they went down into the water and baptized. Baptism doesn't come until we believe. Look at verse 39. And when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. They went down into the water and they came up out of the water. Who is it that should do the baptizing? I believe a church. I think that's pretty clear in the Bible. When do I get baptized? After I have trusted Jesus. Repentance first, faith in Jesus, then we follow in baptism i tell people if uh, you were sprinkled as a a child and that can have great significance uh, uh, to uh, a family that was what your parents did that's what your family did but this baptism biblical baptism is your personal decision that you follow jesus after you've trusted him Third question here, how do I get baptized? Well, we just saw in verse 38, when they went down into the water, verse 39, they came up out of the water. Romans six says it this way, therefore we are buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When we baptize, here's the statement I say, Upon your public profession of your faith in him. You see, that public profession comes first. And obedience to his command. See, he uh, made that command, and we're to follow in that. I baptize you, my brother or sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's a trinity there. Buried in the likeness of his death, and we immerse all the way into the water. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You see, baptism pictures the death, burial, and resurrection. It's a beautiful symbol of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That water doesn't wash your sins away. It's that moment when we place our faith in him and confess him as our Savior. That's how we get baptized. Remember verse 16 in Matthew 3. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Can you picture Jesus and John going down into the water and then him being immersed and then them coming up Out of the water. Notice what happens. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now notice this. Why would I get baptized? Why would it be important to follow in baptism? Well, look at this last verse. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There's one reason you follow in baptism. Now, there's some verses in the Bible that actually are kind of difficult to interpret, and they kind of sound a little bit like baptism has something to do with salvation until you really start to study them out and understand the context that it's written in and stuff. But when you look at the scriptures, the Bible is very clear that baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. It's not something that happened to you as an infant. It's not something that happened uh, in uh, uh, the water. The, The water doesn't wash your sins away at all. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, right? It's our faith in Jesus Christ. Then why would I get baptized? It's simply out of obedience to Jesus Christ. When Jesus got baptized, just think about this. Jesus came up out of the water And the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We get baptized to please Jesus. Now this wedding ring that I wear does not marry me. After the first service, some people uh, came out and said, what a terrible Sunday for me to have forgotten my wedding ring because we were talking about that. You know, if you don't have a wedding ring on, you can still be married or you can put a wedding ring on and that doesn't marry anybody, right? It's the vows that you've made to your spouse before God on that special day. But the ring is that outward demonstration of that decision. When I look at this ring, I look at what it symbolizes. When I said to my wife, till death do us part. I take thee and thee alone as my wedded wife. I made those vows before my family and friends, and I proudly wear this ring as an outward demonstration to others of that decision that was made. Jesus walked 60 miles. I mean, he took it serious. He followed in baptism. He was sinless. He didn't need to get baptized, but he wanted to do it as an outward demonstration as he began his earthly ministry. Let me say this, you don't have to get baptized to go to heaven. The thief on the cross died, never being baptized, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. It has nothing to do with your eternity, but it has everything to do with your first step of obedience. If you're online, you've never followed the Lord in baptism, or you're in this room uh, today, and you've trusted Jesus, but you've never followed him in baptism. Let me say this, all it is is water. Just like this ring, all it is is metal and a jewel, but it means a whole lot more to me and my wife, right? The American flag, all it is is a piece of cloth, with red, white, and blue, and stripes and stars in certain places. But to us as patriotic Americans, it means a lot more, right? But it's a symbol. It doesn't wash our sins away. It's just that first step of obedience to Jesus. Has there been that time in your life? On your marks, trust Jesus as Savior. Get set, follow him in baptism, go. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a part of a church family next week. If you know Jesus is saved you've already been baptized. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, this message doesn't relate." Here, here's what I want you to leave with. Romans six says this: that when you get baptized, you are publicly stating that you want to walk in newness of life. How are you doing with that? Are you walking? in that newness of life. Let me just read it as we close. Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death. The old man is to be set aside. Just as Christ was raised, the new man, to the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. How are you doing in that walk? And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, make that decision today. Trust him. And if you've gotten saved, but you haven't followed yet in baptism. Get that settled in your life, that first step of obedience. Let's bow in prayer for just a moment as the team comes forward. Has there been that time in your life that you followed Jesus? It's one of the few things we can do just like Jesus. As John the Baptist immersed him we can follow in immersion. And I just pictured my mind when I participate in a baptism, just as the heavens rolled back and God the Father spoke from heaven and he said, this is my beloved son, I'm well pleased that God is pleased with that as well. Make that decision. The most important decision, friend, that you'll make today is knowing Jesus as your Savior. Do you have that settled in your life? Have you called upon his name? As the Romanians would say, are you a repenter? Have you repented and confessed, I'm a sinner and I trust in Jesus, what he did, and I call upon him, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Father, help us as we conclude this morning to make a decision for you. May our life be pleasing to you. May we hear within our heart that we are sons and daughters of you and that you are well-pleased. May it be so. In Jesus' name. Let's stand for our invitation song. And you make a decision before the Lord this morning.